It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. It is, what is it, early Tuesday morning as the Cavs will have shoot around, then they'll take on the Oklahoma City Thunder later this evening. And I'm in Cleveland. Joe is in OKC at the hotel bar. What's going on, buddy? Well, I'm not really sure. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the trip. You you just said it's early Tuesday morning, and, and I that confused me because it says 11.30 on my phone, and then I remember that the time changed. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to hold it together here as long as we can. Might actually be better this way, actually. Oh, man. It's uh, never stop. Never stop. Feed the beast. All right, so you got the first glimpse of the Cavs, the new-look Cavs. They were finally unveiled against Boston, and it looked really good, Joe. 22-point win on the road against the Celtics, national TV. Uh, That's when the Cavs have struggled this season. So uh, based on what you saw, it was only one game. But but, but was it just one game, or do you think it's a sign of things to come and there's a little bit more to it? Well, you said that I got a glimpse. a lot of people got a glimpse. They they set a, a ratings record for the Sunday game, or like the the most watched game since 2015 on a Sunday. I mm. think in the NBA, and and um, I think it got like a 20.8 rating in Cleveland. So everybody was watching to wow. see if the Cavs, uh, you know, have resurrected themselves or or, or they're still dead. Um, you know, uh, for one day they looked they looked alive. There's no doubt about it. Um, I, I just, I, I'm, I guess my concern, you know, I think they pay me to be skeptical and concerned. Um, it would just be, you know, it it, it was only one game. Yeah. And, you know, Jordan Clarkson's not going to shoot six to seven every night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, George Hill had a really high percentage shooting night and, and Rodney Cliff was really good. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, you know, I mean, they defended, but, but the Celtics are, are bad offensively and they were rot, rot, uh, on Sunday. That's for sure. Yeah. But, you know, hey, I mean, you know, quiet, like, here's the, here's the deal. They, they've won three in a row. Mm-hmm. They've put up over 120 points in all three games. Um, LeBron's playing better. Um, the, they they are younger now. They are more athletic, and I think the biggest thing can be if if George Hill and Jordan Clarkson. I mean, they, they don't have to be Gary Payton, and neither of them are. Right. But if if they can just meet the uh, the opposition's ball handler at the top of the key and hold their own, and 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 create 
more log jam, you know, on the perimeter. Um, that'll give this team some more chances for long rebounds and more chances for runouts. And they have more guys now who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the bench was totally different than it's been all season, and those guys looked every bit as good and probably better because they look faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having a point guard for the first time since they've had LeBron, um, a point guard who can defend on his own. Um, and also, it can be, you know, I mean, Jose Calderon played this role as far as keeping the trains running on time, but he's just not as dynamic as, as George Hill. Right. Um, but, but having a point guard who can defend and, and can kind of help get people in the right spots, I mean, you know, it, it really did look good for one game. Yeah, it did. Um, I think a lot of people would admit, myself included, Joe, that it's obvious that they're better because usually at the trade deadline or in free agency, you as an organization, you're looking to bring in things that you don't currently have on the roster, right? You assess the roster and you say, what is it we have? What is it we don't have? Can we go out and bring in some of the stuff that we don't have? And it's clear that the Cavs are younger. They're more athletic. Those things are obvious. I think they've brought in better shooters that, that is going to allow them to play the style that they were designed to actually play. Um, and I think that's going to help them. But I just, I don't know that I've ever seen this kind of national overreaction to just one game. Um, yeah. I mean, the Cavs have gone from dead and people wondering if they can even get out of the Eastern Conference to a great performance, a great trade deadline. Now it's they belong in the same conversation with Toronto, Boston, and the Cavs are probably back in the NBA Finals. And and I I don't know what to make of that sort of thing. Well, I, I can tell you this, Chris. Um, people were devastated in Boston. And, and, and I don't know. I don't mean that, like, Brad Stevens and, and, and Kyrie. I, I don't necessarily mean them. But just the, the people around that team. Um, mm-hmm. th- th- that that was not a good day for them yesterday. Right. It was, it was uh, they they kind of felt like it was the stark realization that uh, LeBron's still here and the Cavs rescued themselves. Um, I just you know it, you cannot you can't have this kind of overreaction uh, after one game. Yeah. You, it has to be measured. Um, I think the most important thing that happened yesterday. Okay. The number one thing was after the game and LeBron's remarks, he said um, the new guys are happy for the opportunity opportunity that they have here. It is my job to make sure that they stay happy to be mm. here. That knocked me over hmm. because I felt like it was an acknowledgement uh, and and maybe maybe even some accepting of the responsibility that he should accept mm-hmm. not all of it just some of it for all that had gone wrong. Um, you know this team felt really good about itself coming out of Santa Barbara uh, right. way back in September, right? Right. Like really really good about yep. itself. And then Dwayne came, uh, and that kind of spoiled everything. And then the guys that it kind of spoiled with, except for Jr., but everybody else like got hurt. 
uh, or Isaiah was hurt anyway, and then so things got okay again. But mm. but but the the mood never got really bright. Like it, like Ty was never super happy. Um, even LeBron, because you knew what was coming. Mm. You knew Isaiah was coming. You knew that Derrick Rose was going to come back at some point. You knew that Tristan was going to come back, and it was going to throw all these wrenches into everything again. And that was why, you know, uh, so early LeBron was brooding uh, that, that this was going to turn south. And I think that, that his attitude and, and his, um, his demeanor and, 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 you know, just how upset he was about how the, the direction of things, I think that's perpetuated it. Um, so now he's saying we've got these new guys, mm-hmm. they're young, they want to be here, and it's my job to make sure that they still do. Mm. And so I think that means he's going to be supportive. Um, I think he is, I, I suspect that he's going to stay away from some of the stuff that he's done in this locker room when the team had more veterans. Um, and I just, I thought that was really important. I think that's an interesting point that you bring up because I do remember if you go back to the very beginning of the season, you know, Isaiah at first was just distraught by the fact that Boston was willing to trade him and he couldn't get over that. But once he did, after that initial shock, Joe, he did say, hey, now I'm here in Cleveland. I want a chance to win a championship. I have a great chance to win a championship. Jay Crowder was talking about, you know, uh, we used to chase the rabbit, now we are the rabbit, and I'll do whatever is asked of me and things along those lines. Derek Rose, I'm not going to complain about my role on this team. I just want to help them win any way I can. I just want to hoop. That was his go-to line, I just want to hoop. You know, Dwayne Wade, they all said all of the same thing. It seemed like everybody was on the same page about what was expected of them and um, how they could help the, the organization moving forward. Obviously, that deteriorated throughout the course of the season. So why do you think, or who is most responsible, do you think, for allowing it to get to that point, to a point where Kobe Altman had to, to shake up the entire roster at the trade deadline? Well, like so you said, who is most responsible? And, and, and I don't know that there's any single one person that... Um, you know, I, I'm you know I'm sure if you're going to weigh the percentages, there's there's somebody, but there's a lot of blame to go around. Okay. Um, and, and this is something I'm thinking about for the All Star break, um, t- taking a look at this. But but just as, as a brief explainer, um, you know, Kobe was primarily responsible for bringing Isaiah here, mm-hmm. and Ty Lue was primarily responsible for bringing Derrick Rose here. And LeBron was responsible for bringing Dwayne Wade here. Yeah, all three of all three of them failed. <laughs> uh, all three, all three. Yeah, for, you're right. for many for for many different reasons, and their failures um, not only went very very far in uh, in you know essentially ruining the team, but the the blame doesn't just rest on those three players' shoulders. It rests on the guys that brought them here. Yeah. And it rests on um, sort of the overall culture here. You know, like, because you said it, 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 it kind of lit the light in my head um, that, you know, they're talking about, you know, those these guys show up, they talk about how, you know, we're here to win a championship. Mm-hmm. It, it was like this, it was that, again, that air of inevitability and, like, you know, entitlement and complacency, um, 
Like there, there wasn't there wasn't any sense of I didn't I didn't believe of doing the work to get to to get to the finals uh, that that it takes. Like you know maybe LeBron maybe you know he works hard on his own or whatever. But that whole time where they went practicing and then they went to Napa and they you know they spend extra time in Toronto and. And uh, you know all these places. Just the, it was it was such a club med atmosphere, um, while the inner soul of the team, you know, was was deteriorating rapidly. And I just think it all it was just combustible. Um, so th- th- there's a lot of pieces there, a lot of logs in the fire, um, and it's hard to put the blame on any one person. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, but I do think one interesting thing about this whole post-trade deadline team and, and what a lot of people expect to see, you know, part of the reason why, um, if some people have gone to the conclusion of the Cavs are now again the best team in the Eastern Conference, Joe, it seems like because they expect a different LeBron in the second half of the season. They see a rejuvenated LeBron. They see somebody who's happy again. He's smiling. He's laughing. He's enjoying his new teammates. Um, at at some point, though, don't we have to kind of like look at him and say, well, you know, you didn't hold up your end of the bargain in January either for whatever reason it might have been. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe it was just yeah. him being unhappy. And, and, and if the, the explanation was he was unhappy or he was, I don't know, trying to shine a light on the issues of the team on the court so that somebody could see it, and and maybe like let some of these guys fail in a way that in the past he let Kyrie Irving fail on his own. Like I don't know, but but isn't that a bad look for the leader of the team? Well, I mean, well, you just said it. Just, that wouldn't be the first time that he pulled that, right? Um, and he certain and, and many of us believe that he did it again. Um, and, and all you have to do is look at how he was the best or, you know, player 1A in the NBA mm. um, through just through up basically up until the Christmas game. Um, he, he just was. He, you know, I mean, statistically, uh, just everything. He was there. And then he fell off the face of the earth, and um, it was just widely believed to be intentional. Um, and, you know, it, in, during this, this win streak, he has two triple doubles, and he was two assists uh, shy of, of another, or two rebounds shy of another one in Boston. And he only played three quarters, so you know he he seems to be playing again. But but again, I mean, if you go back to what he said yeah. after that game, it's it, it's my job to make sure they want to stay here and stay happy. Um, that that just speaks volumes about LeBron's you know recognition of what happened here. What questions do you have about this new group moving forward now? Yeah, I mean, I do have some. I mean, it's just how, how is how are Jordan Clarkson and no how how is Jordan Clarkson going to play when the pressure's on? Yeah, um, he's never been in that situation in the NBA. Um, is Rodney Hood's body going to hold up? He has some injury issues, um, and he has some inconsistency issues. You know, he, he played in the playoffs last year, so he's been there. I like that. Um, but but will, will he hold up, and will he be okay playing under the pressure of LeBron? Um, those are the two primary questions. The, the other question I had, but, but he really did look good on, on Sunday, was how hurt is George Hill? Uh, he claims he's not hurt at all. Hmm. Um, 
he, he didn't have a good year in, in Sacramento, and of course he missed all those <laughs> playoff games against the Warriors last year because of a bad toe. Right. Um, so, so I, the, the, those, that's a question too, and, and and also then it's just like, you know, it's kind of the Isaiah effect. Um, his first two games with the Cavs were fantastic, right? They, they oh, yeah. scored, uh, oh, yeah. you know, like 131 and 127, yep. and he had 17 and 19 off the bench. Yep. And it was like that It was like that honeymoon period before it all fell apart. Um, you know, the, given that they dominated the best team in the East Sunday, like, you want to say, well, is that really a honeymoon? But, but again, I, you know, let, let's see if this team, these new guys gel together and how they handle playing with LeBron um, and and if they're ready, you know, to deal with it, you know, when you have to play on the road in Toronto and the series is tied 1-1 and stuff like that, we'll see how it goes. I think that's a fair point you make, too, because at the time that they beat Portland, I mean, Portland's not the Thunder here and it's not Golden State and it's not the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're that, that bottom tier of the Western Conference, of course, but... I mean, that was a playoff team that the Cavs rocked at home in Isaiah Thomas's debut. Yeah, they, you know, they really did. Right. Um, I think they've, they've taken the radio and turned it up to about 35 here. I'll uh, move on. What is the song uh, that they're playing? What is that song? Uh, it's good stuff, whatever it is. Uh, but, but at any rate, um, the Thunder game, so... That that one is interesting to me too because obviously the Cavs spirits were in the process of of being totally broken. Right. Um. So so like that that's the start, and then like the spirits are down anyway, and then just the matchup is horrendous, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to trot Isaiah Thomas out there against Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And the rest of the Cavs are old and slow, and so like they can't get back to help you on Russ on Russ. And then, I mean, Paul George just ate them alive, and, mm-hmm. and Carmelo killed them. And Stephen Adams, oh my goodness! <laughs> um, but but you wonder, like, and, and that was the day that Kevin like couldn't couldn't play, and right. um, you know, angered oh his teammates apparently. So, so it's like, I mean, how much of that is all tied back to like the ship thinking as fast as it was, right? Um, I'm fascinated for a while just to see this new group, uh, younger group, can get back, can defend some of these guys. Um, LeBron totally refocused, uh, I think. At least he's playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, like, how they can run with this team, with this, you know, an athletic team like this. Like, you know, can they run with, with Houston? You know, I mean, certainly not before the trade deadline they couldn't um you know just all that kind of stuff it's, it's really fascinating if we did right now fake power rankings in the nba people do those all the time right if we did yeah. those right now where are the Cavs? yeah i mean you know i hate that kind of stuff anyway I know. and especially i mean after one game i just don't know i mean the one time they played together they looked great yeah they look great yeah um but spent how much time saying that you need four stars to yeah. beat the to beat the Warriors. Like right. right now the Cavs have one. I know. Um, you know, this is a totally different deal. Uh so 
I mean, you still would have to say right now that the Warriors and the Rockets uh, are, are ahead of the Cavs. And then in the East, um, I think you saw enough yesterday uh, to, to, to have legitimate questions about the Celtics. Sure. Um, but, but, I mean, <laughs> I, the Raptors... Um, the Raptors have been playing great, and and the, and one of the huge differences with them is they have a bench yep. now that, that they didn't have um, in either the the first two. But you know the Cavs will get them again here at home uh, later on in the year, and that that'll be interesting just to see again um, how the two teams look when the Cavs have a repaired spirit and a repaired roster, and and the pieces fit better. And I mean the guys were. Ju- what do you say? Ju- jubilant? Yeah. Jubilant. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, Corver comes out of the locker room last night saying it's going to be fun again. Like, <laughs> they, you know, they were really feeling it. And rightfully so. I, I mean, it's a fun style that they're trying to play, and it's a style that they've played for, for quite some time with spacing and three-point shooting and high pick and roll with a roller that creates open shots for somebody because – the defense is so worried about Tristan Thompson rolling towards the hoop or Larry Nance Jr. rolling towards the hoop that the guy has to come over from the weak side and tag him, and that's going to leave Clarkson, and it's going to leave Hood, and it's going to leave all these guys. Um, right. So I think they're going to have fun playing this kind of style and getting up and down the court, and it's going to lead to fun. But I think it's also, at times, Joe, going to lead to some variance, too. Because if they start missing some of those open shots and their offense is so reliant on that driving kick type stuff, um, you know, you could have bad nights. But but I think the way that the Cavs are constructed now and the style that they're going to play, I think their offense is going to be extremely difficult to guard. Like Eastern Conference playoff level last year, tough to guard. I don't know wow. that they can guard as as well as maybe they need to. But the way that they played in the Eastern Conference last year, ripping through all of those teams offensively, like I think it can get back to that, even without Kyrie. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously, if that's the case, um, then there's a lot to be excited for. Um, just uh, it goes back to, again, like to just to what, to what we had already been talking about. Um, which George Hill do they have? Right. Um, you know, where is Jordan Clarkson for the first time in career is going to get his medal tested? Um, I feel good about Larry Nance, uh, just because I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like they're going to ask too much of him. I think he's going to be able to contribute and do, do all kinds of different things mm-hmm. without, um, you know, just being relied upon to, you know, to get that big bucket. Um, I, I want to see how Rodney Hood does when the pressure's on and, yeah. and, and I want to see, but, he played great yesterday, and and, um, and and it just it's encouraging to me that Corver was so excited. I don't even know if he scored yesterday. Like I, I, I don't I don't know what Corver, I can't remember what Corver's contributions were, but but for him to be so excited about mm-hmm. how the second unit looked and how the team looked, I think that that's a good that's good. And and, and, the, and then the, the final thing is, I think one of the reasons to justify the reactions that you've seen over the last 24 hours is if you have unlocked LeBron, that means a lot. Right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And and if that's what's happened here, then, you know, 
I mean, you know you're in trouble in the East. Yeah, and not only is it, um, to me, like him being happier and him being re-energized, but it's him playing the way that, that makes the Cavs at their best and LeBron at his most dangerous. Putting the ball in his hands, having him attack the defense freely with shooters surrounding him and one roller. Like, that's how he won championships in Miami. And I think the talent was better, obviously, in Miami. But that's the style that won a championship in Miami. That's the style that has the Houston Rockets as one of the best teams in the NBA. It's the style that the Cavs used against the Golden State Warriors to win the NBA championship. LeBron in his hand, with the ball in his hand, surrounded by shooters, like he's going to put up monster numbers the rest of the way, I think, just because of how he's going to be used. So just a fascinating uh, discussion here as we move forward. Um, you know, Kevin Love's going to come back. Yep. And Kevin, Kevin is, you know, 18 points, nine rebounds this year. He's an all-star. Um, almost all of those numbers were put up with him at the five. Yeah. Uh, they had decided that he can't play the five anymore, at least with the, with the team that they had. Yeah. But when he comes back, um, right now the Cavs are in love with LeBron playing the four and Jetty playing the three. Yeah. Um, so does Kevin come back and play the five and Tristan goes to the bench? Or does Jetty go and they go back to a, a more of a traditional lineup? Um, you know, I, I just wonder. I mean, I, I, I feel like they need that. I mean, this isn't a question. Kevin Love's going to play, and he's going to start, sure. and he's going to score a lot of points. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's, that's a really fascinating uh, thing to watch there. So I keep going back and forth on this. The biggest part of me, Joe, thinks that Ty is going to go with Kevin at the four and replace Jetty in the starting lineup. And I say that because I think he wants his first unit and his second unit to kind of mirror themselves in style. And if you look at what the first unit would be, it would again be LeBron as the primary playmaker surrounded by three shooters. Kevin, um, J.R. Smith, George Hill, and then Tristan Thompson as the screen setter and the roller at the five spot. And then if you flip it to the second unit, it would be a similar kind of setup with Clarkson in the LeBron spot as the initial playmaker, Larry Nance Jr. as the five-man and the screen setter and the roller, and Rodney Hood, Kyle Korver, and Jeff Green as the three shooters surrounding those guys. And it just, like, makes sense. It makes more sense to continue that kind of style, if you can, for both units. So you've got Jetty out. I've got Jetty out. I have a hard time finding a spot for him. I mean, yeah. what spot's I mean, he going to take? They, He's going to take Rodney him. Hoods? Everyone's got to keep, they got to keep contributing. Uh, you know, Jeff Green's got to stay engaged. Yep. Um, you know, Nance, I mean, they, they really like him, obviously. Sure. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's got to contribute. So, because they love Jetty. They love Jetty. And rightfully so. I think he's brought a lot, for sure. But I think you're kind of in a numbers game. Corver? Like, that's dangerous, right? I mean, if if we're looking at the rotation as it is, as like that fringe guy or that that swing guy when you're talking about the 9-10 man rotation, like who's at the bottom of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it, it could depend on the night too. Like, Sure, sure. I mean, I get, you know, 
Corver showed you in Atlanta the other night why he has to play because mm-hmm. he's capable of he he can go for thirty. Right. Um, but he can he can disappear. Uh, I mean, obviously the Warriors have no problem taking him out. Sure. Um, so that's an answer again. Like Jeff Green's been really good for most of the year, but I've seen him be lazy on closeouts uh, defensively, and you know now that there are other guys who do what he does, you know combination of Hood and, and Clarkson Jeff's got to stay engaged um, you know you feel good about Clarkson right now um, so yeah some, some, some you know and, and, and then the, the thing is the Jetty's a rookie so right. every other guy has more experience than him so if everybody if everybody deserves it then I guess Jetty takes the ball so the other elephant in the room here, Joe, is what does this mean for LeBron's future moving forward? Uh, now that the Cavs have made their big moves at, at the trade deadline, and, and they don't have that second star, and I think that's very, very interesting, and it's compelling to think about moving forward, about can they even get that kind of guy? But, but as it stands now, do you feel like these moves um, have, have given LeBron a reason to consider the Cavs uh, more this offseason than maybe he would have? Yeah, no doubt. I don't think there's any question. Um, okay. Is what happened here on Thursday, does that mean that LeBron is coming back? No, it does not mean that. However, um, the dumpster fire that was burning before they made all those trades mm-hmm. did not mean or guarantee that he was leaving. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a bigger decision than any of those things. But from a basketball perspective, a couple things here happen that are inarguable. Without asking LeBron to commit long term, mm-hmm. the uh, Cavs went out and and admitted their mistake of trading for Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. They admitted it and shipped them both out. Um, they got considerably younger. Three of the four players that they took are 25 years old. Uh, and the, the one who's a veteran uh, is an accomplished veteran who's been through the wars, uh, the playoff wars, but is not, um, you know, he's only still only 31. Uh, he, he's two years younger than LeBron. Um, and then the, the biggest thing, or the, the next thing, which is probably the biggest thing, is that they, um, they took on new money. Mm. So regardless of what happens with LeBron, this team got more expensive, which proves to LeBron, again, that Dan is not trying to save all of his money based solely on, on this bet that LeBron's going to leave, that they, they okayed more spending. That's the third thing. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is they still have roster flexibility to get uh, better or different this offseason, which can appeal to LeBron. They can still trade the Brooklyn pick. And as we've t- you and I have talked about before, if you hold on to it until you get into draft time, you might be able to get that star um, that, that a team is looking to move off of and, and get younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so that's in play. And then Kevin Love's contract is in play. Mm. Um, you, could, you could trade him, too, if you wanted. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think for all those reasons, I, I mean, those are all good basketball reasons. Um, to stay and 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 they the Cavs did well there. I think the other thing that that might um, factor into LeBron's decision or maybe like weigh in his mind when he thinks about this 
if he had reasons to doubt the front office beyond Dan, like Kobe Altman, because David Griffin was gone and Griff was the guy who um, put the right pieces around LeBron to get to three straight NBA finals. And then his first impression of Kobe Altman is he got Isaiah Thomas, the Brooklyn pick, Jay Crowder, and some of the other moves that we've talked about this summer that backfired with the Cavs. If if he had doubt in his mind about Kobe and his ability to, to put the right pieces around him moving forward, I think what Kobe was able to pull off at the trade deadline for the assets that he gave up and what he brought back, I would think that Kobe at least made some progress from that standpoint at the trade deadline. I, I Again, I, I don't see how he couldn't have. Yeah. I, I mean, like, like, yeah, I mean, it's the same argument. Like, you you can't say that the Cavs didn't improve their, their chances here with LeBron, and you, you can't say that Kobe didn't do anything to, to garner some favor in the league and, and some favor with LeBron. Um, improve how how he's viewed. Um, you know, LeBron's first impression of Kobe wasn't just that these he didn't like some of these roster moves or how they worked out, but 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 he just felt um, that Kobe was was uh, that, that that Kobe was doing things so much differently than than Dave than David Griffin mm-hmm. um, that that he just felt like Dan. Uh, that he just wasn't that Kobe wasn't filling the same role that, that Griff was right. that maybe uh, Dan was doing more than LeBron was comfortable with which you know it is Dan's team but sure. that's beside the point um, but but that may have been the feeling and, and LeBron you know was wondering why Kobe wasn't with the team as much and was talking about communication issues and, and this that and the other um, and then you know when when the whole league is banging on Kobe, yeah. basically call him, calling him a puppet, um, and this is Dan's show, and he's just the paper GM, and and then he puts together these three trades that are all him, and they go and get four players that are like the guys that he scouted and he wanted. Like LeBron didn't tell him to go get Rodney Hood, and right. and Dan didn't Dan didn't say I want you know I want George Hill or whatever like. Like that was Kobe in his front office. I mean, he he took control of this roster uh, last week in a way that he certainly didn't have have before, and and he's got it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so he it was that was the day he became G- GM. And Joe, I know there's not a lot that the Cavs could have done about this at the trade deadline, but I still think I still think not having that second star is going to be a detriment. Um, both in the NBA Finals, if the Cavs get that far, and I think Toronto's their primary competition in the Eastern Conference. Um, but in in the off season too, when LeBron weighs his decision, well, I mean, you know, that's certainly one of the major red flags that I'm raising right now. Um, but but I did think that one of the things Kobe said on the on the conference call the other day that you and I were on mm-hmm. was um, was correct that the league. So quickly turned mm-hmm. into if you don't have a stable of horses to run up and down the court, you're going to get you're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. And you know when you get into a finals, yes, the Warriors have four elite players, and the Rockets have two, right? Yep, two elite. Okay, two elite. The Cavs. 
I mean, LeBron is obviously that's out of, that's out of the question. And then Kevin, Kevin is elite, but he's not he's not the runner right. that the other guys are. Right. So I guess that's why you would question whether the Cavs have one or two. Yep. Um, but but what they did was they now have a stable of guys who can run up and down the floor, and so that that may mitigate some of the not having that second killer. Uh, to, to dribble the ball like, they, like they've had with Kyrie. Yeah, and he had that in Miami, too, with Dwayne Wade, obviously. So it's always mm-hmm. been that second mm-hmm. playmaker, that second creator. Um, and I just wonder how they're going to make up for that. I'm fascinated right. to see what the plan is. All right, we're 40 minutes in. Let's take yep. some questions. It's time for me to go to bed. Well, one of the questions we already addressed is is what happens with the Cavs when Kevin Love comes back. I think okay. that's one that uh, a lot of people are asking. Um, so okay. we can we can move on from that one. Best team in the Eastern Conference. That's another question we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you love the Raptors, and 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 you've you've been on them. I have very very early. So kudos kudos to you. Thank you. Um, I I respect. Refuse to name the Cavs the best team in the East again after one game. I'm just not. I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, shame on the players who are still here for allowing it to get to that point. I agree. Um, so, so out of protest, I will go with you and say the Raptors. I the two questions I have about the Raptors: Can they do what they do in the regular season and the postseason? That's number one. And can they friggin' win away from Canada? Because they are so bad, so bad when they play in America. It's unbelievable, yeah. Joe. Yeah, I mean, and 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 they're probably going to have home court over the Cavs. Yeah, uh, barring a huge collapse. Um, now, the the thing that mitigates that is that up until the twenty seventeen finals, LeBron had won at least one road playoff game in. A record number of series, that's more right. than Michael. Yep. Um, the number escapes me now, but that that streak did stop in the finals. The Cavs did not get one in the Bay this year, um, but LeBron's the answer there. He he's worth at least one win on the road, um, so that will help them mm-hmm. uh, in a tight series against the Raptors. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you feel like they they can do it. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry has had injury problems in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That, You're that's right. been an issue. Yep. Um, you know, the Raptors have never had an answer for LeBron. I don't know that they have one now. Um, you know, I, I, I still I still don't know about that. But you know, I I almost wonder if in a series against the Raptors, more so than the Celtics, if that's if that was would be one of the series we're not having that second that second star mm. um, in the backcourt could be a, a concern. Right, and I think the biggest difference that the Raptors made this offseason is they added three-point shooting. They got yeah. shredded by the Cavs in terms of the three-point numbers for the entire series. And then they looked at the roster and said, we got to get more shooting here. If we're going to keep pace with the Cavs and their offense, we better be able to make some threes. And now if the Cavs start throwing an extra body at DeMar DeRozan like they have in the past, Joe... Now he's surrounded by C.J. Miles, and C.J. Miles can hit playoff threes. We saw that in the first series against the Indiana Pacers. Like, that was a yep. guy that the Cavs were worried about in the series against the Pacers. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that was a great pickup. And, again, you know, they've got young, strong bench players. Yep. Um, still untested in the playoffs, like kind of like Clarkson and Hood. You know, you don't know how Van Fleet and, and Pascal and, and, and uh, you know, some of those other guys um, will respond when the, when the chips are down. But, um, yeah, the, the Raptors are having a great year. All right, two more questions, then we can end this thing. Um, somebody wants to know about the buyout candidates for the Cavs. Okay. Um, you know, a name that I heard was, was Tyson Chandler. Right. Um, they, I mean, I, the Cavs would probably like to add another big if, if they could. Um, they want to see everybody play a couple times before they figure out what else, what else they, they might need. Um, you know, George Hill looks great. Uh, so you probably don't need to look point guard. Um, you know, especially with the way the Clarkson handled it. I mean, the thing about buyout candidates is that, like, the, like those guys are not, like, they're not, quote, the answer. Yes. Like, like you're looking to, to fill in, like, in the bottom. And we already, you and I just went through a, a scenario in, in which a player who is starting games for them now is going to be out right. in, in Jetty. Um, so, you know, like I, I would, if I'm a Cavs fan, I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't worry too much about these buyout candidates because the guys that, that they're gonna that they're gonna ride or die with are here. Shoot, we learned that last year. Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut. <laughs> like absolutely, of <laughs> course, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I just yeah, that, that that's not a thing. That that this late buyout market is just not something that I get too too excited about. Yeah. Um... I lost the other question. I don't know where it went. It was on. Woo-hoo. <laughs> okay, guess we're done. <laughs> Judging by your no, reaction I... to that, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to find it, but my computer died. So. Oh well, that's no good. No, no, it's not. So I'm trying to pull it up on my phone right now, looking for it. All right. Well, okay. Well, here's here's a question. Oh, you have a question. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My question for you is what is a realistic regular season finish for the Cavs? How much ground can they make up? Oh, boy. I just think Toronto and Boston, they've created so much distance already. And the Celtics had, like, the toughest part of their schedule already because they had that London trip and they played so many games. Um, I think third. Third is the highest I could see them in the Eastern Conference. How about you? Yeah. Toronto's not going probably. anywhere. Toronto's so good. Toronto's so consistent. Yeah. I mean, they are the only team in the NBA, Joe. I looked this up to add on to my Toronto love. They are the only team in the NBA to be top four in offensive and defensive efficiency. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's really good. Not even the yeah, Warriors, because the Warriors are sixth in defense nowadays. I think, but... The, the best thing that we can say for the Cavs is, all right, so so, so we think they're going to finish in third, which third. means they're going to have a harder road to the finals than they've ever had with LeBron. Yep. Um, but, but that being said, like, I wasn't sure they were making the playoffs without those trades. Oh, my gosh. What? No, I'm, no, I'm serious. Wow. I, 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 I don't. I, I don't I don't know that they would have made the playoffs had they done nothing. Oh my god! Um, 
like the, the locker room was was unsalvageable. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense was historically bad. Yeah. Um, they just they couldn't guard. They couldn't do it. Yep. You know they got beat by eighteen by the mat by the Orlando match. Like that that is untenable. After they, winning, after I, leading by twenty two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because remember before they before they came back and beat the uh, and and beat whoever beat the beat the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. which was a nice win, and that was before the trades. I agree. Yep. But before that game, they were six and thirteen since Christmas. <sighs> like. If if that's the tra- the trajectory, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. They actually wouldn't have made. It. Yeah. Um, and now you know you feel really good about them holding on to where they are and setting themselves up for a, for a nice playoff run. Okay. While you did that, I found the question. So really right, quick, we'll and take, we get out we'll of here. Take it. Uh, the 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 player of the four that the Cavs acquired that's going to have the biggest impact. It's got to be George Hill. Um, I agree. If you know, I mean, if, if he's their starting point guard and he can accept the challenge defensively in a way that no point guard here has ever been able to, yep. um, you know, he's going to change everything with the starting lineup. So I think he's it. Um, after him, uh, you know, then you look at, I mean, does Rodney Hood was averaging 17 a game for the Jazz. How's he look off the Cavs bench? And how dynamic can Jordan be when the pressure's off? Yeah. I almost don't know exactly how to answer that question of which guy will because I think there are so many different variables involved and it's all about comfort. Um, yeah. But but I think George Hill needs to because of, yeah. like you said, the role that he is going to play. And yeah. if the Cavs are going to get out of the Eastern Conference, that means Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. That means John Wall, Bradley Beal. That means Kyrie Irving and whoever else for Boston. And it's just like that dude at the point of attack defensively to get opposing teams and opposing players out of their comfort zone. Like, that's the role for George Hill. And then if they get to the finals, it's either Chris Paul, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. So, like, like that's the guy that needs to step up and disrupt the opposing offense. Couldn't agree more. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Enjoy, uh, enjoy tonight's game against Oklahoma City. All right, man. Good talk. <laughs>